Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Spoon Mob Pod. My name is Ray. I am your host. And as always on the Parts Now Known series, I am joined by my co-host over here, Ben Nelson. Uh, Today's episode is the fourth episode in the Parts Unknown series, at least in the first season. Um, It's titled Canada. And we were trying to figure out why exactly they titled that. Now, most of the time on the episode they spend is in Quebec. And we're thinking that maybe they titled it Canada as kind of like a tongue-in-cheek reference to how Quebec wants to basically secede from the entire country of Canada. And then they had their whole like vote on um, splitting up the country back in like 95, I guess, or something they mentioned in there. Yeah, I don't know. If the, yeah, it was. I think ninety five was what they know. said. I was gonna look into that. I, I was like, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not aware either of them like voting to. I don't know if it was like to split up the territories into their own countries or what. I have no idea. So we will refrain from commenting on that any further <laughs> until we look into it because I really don't know. But um, this episode is basically Bourdain in Quebec. In the middle of winter, drinking and eating with uh, Fred Moran and David McMillan, who are the co-owners of and the most famous restaurants, Joe Beef. And they have like four or five other restaurants in kind of the Mon- Montreal area. And Quebec's like right down the road from Montreal. Like it's not that far. Pretty close. So... Um, yeah, that's pretty much the episode, but I don't know. I think it was probably like the best one out of the first four so far. I'm going to save my opinion for the category. Okay. But um, <laughs> just a little keep the listener interested. No, um, I, I think I agree. I mean, it was really, really good. And it was, I would just say off the top, the most food porny of any of the episodes so far. Oh, yeah, for sure. So it's basically like Fred Moran and David McMillan just going extremely hard on just ingredients, like just decadent stuff. Yeah, it's, it's no matter dec- what they're decadence doing. Decadence is the word. It's like, just pure decadence. Like the ice, amount of truffle. They yeah. bring a truffle shaver. They bring shaver. foie gras with them like everywhere yeah. too as well. There's foie gras, black they truffle. In the ice house on the train uh even they meet the other chef is it picard yeah he's got black tr- like they just put yeah. black troubles on fucking everything yeah they're just throwing and greet and it i don't know if i mean i know bourdain knew them before this episode but i don't know if this was their first appearance on any episode that he ever did like i don't know if they popped up on the no reservations almost guaranteed at they all did, they right? probably did almost. but it's they're totally like, um, just like, oh, Bourdain's coming to town. Like, yeah, let's let's throw some stuff at him. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's totally what they're doing throughout the episode. So they start off like it starts off in. Um, I mean, did he start off in Montreal and then they took the train to Quebec? Was yes. That, okay. Yeah. And uh, it's the middle of winter. I mean, there's probably what like a foot of snow on the ground at least. Yeah, you would know better at that being raised in the in the snow belt or whatever. Um, well, just because the mailman goes up the steps and okay, can we talk about that? And he can still we just doesn't there? like. There's still snow on the steps after he steps on them, like going up to like so this apartment complex. We've had conversations about how this show was different, and it seems like he's got more creative control over like what enters him and like what he's going to dive into. Mm-hmm. Immediately upon seeing the interview with the postman. All I could think about was like, who put him up to this and why is this happening? Because the the way the episode starts is there's literally, I think it's even in French, there's like these warnings that they put up. Yep. And it's kind of a joke, but it's basically like, hey man, you're going to see a shitload of food porn. Get ready. It's going to be great. But also like we're in the part of the country that French is the primary language. Yeah. They wanted, it, it's like a nod to Quebec wanting to be their own country. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that is still going on, but um, there was a time where they tried to basically like secede from the country. Yeah. So anyways, that's what we get started with. And then you come back from that after like the, um, the song 
and it's just him walking down the street interviewing a postman and it's like and then we go into the rest of the episode which is completely different so i don't know if it was like this weird thing it's like yeah you can do this but you've got to have some kind of culture or not even culture but like the economy like what it was a total cnn move it felt like it was yeah it's it's really out of place because it it shows it's basically just supposed to be just any old street in montreal and it's covered in snow like there's a blizzard that clearly just kind of went through and then it's just bourdain walking down a street and he encounters a guy delivering the mail and he kind of asks him a few questions about you know uh, Is, do you think that's what it was? And they were almost like snowed into their hotel, and they were it like, might have been have like it could have been something out of this. Yeah, it could have been like they were supposed to go shooting, they couldn't because of the blizzard. The blizzard hung around like an extra day longer than they thought it was gonna. And they're like, hey, let's just you guys just get outside and get some content because I did specifically know like or I did see Bourdain is wearing like just regular like jeans. But then, like, a really nice coat. Yeah, and I'm like, did he just buy a winter coat, like, when they landed at the airport? Like, he seems really just underprepared for the weather situation that he just found himself in. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> like, man, you need snow pants. You're in, you know, Quebec. You're in Montreal. Like, they get a shit ton of snow. You can only visit Montreal, like, realistically, if you don't want to catch any snow. I think you have, like, a window between June and August. It's basically it. Like, that's your window. It's that bad? Yeah. Because even Calgary, we went to Calgary in on our way back from Hawaii, and that was September, and it flipped on a dime. And they're like, oh, yeah, it was 80 here two days ago, and we just had this front move in, and now it's 30. It's like, it's the middle of September. Like, what's going on? They're like, cool. Now I have to go buy a winter coat because I didn't bring one because it wasn't supposed to be 30 degrees when I got here. And wasn't that like right after Hawaii? Yeah. Yeah, that's not fun. Yeah, we didn't pack like any winter, yeah. like really any winter clothing. So, um, yeah, so that he just seemed like really out of place, but it's just, it's, there's so much, they get so much snow and it's so cold. Yeah, and that was like, they made very sure that you were very aware of like how fucking cold it got. It's <laughs> like fucking cold. just the amount of like blowing snow that they showed in some of those establishing shots. You're like, ugh. and then he talks about that's why he likes those people is because they're hardy and, um, have to deal with the elements. So that, I don't know, I guess affects how they see the world or whatever. But, um, he does talk about that. That is his favorite Canadian city. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's the same like thing that you'd apply to kind of like Seattle they get rain and like all the time except for you know everybody's like july is like our best month and like you come here in july and like everybody's happy because it's stopped raining and they get to be outside so i think it's kind of like the pacific northwest kind of thing too and even to some extent not so really much anymore i mean cleveland still gets like a good amount of snow but i feel like you have better weather options in cleveland like you get you still get summer earlier like you're not three months of the year is like that's all i got Right. It's really extreme in, in those other parts. Um, and then we immediately, so we go from this awkward, at least it seemed awkward to me, this awkward interview with the postman to let's go ice fishing with two really great Quebecois chefs. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Yeah, and then he makes fun of, and he's like talked about this, but how this fishing seeds never grow right. So it's obvious they planted the fish, and then they just go into this cabin, and you're like, the first sign that like this is going to be a little different is like they open the door and there's like really nice like cutlery and <laughs> he and says like all yeah I think it's Moran has all this vintage uh, like plateware and stuff yeah. like that that he brought with him and put it in like, the cabin and then all of a sudden they just start pulling out like and you appreciate this more than me because you know a lot more about wine but like they're just pulling out these wines that I don't even know how much they are a bottle I they're probably really expensive I don't like the French wine and stuff like that I don't know too much about that it's just it's really hard to. Cause it's, it's not even, it's like you get broken down by producer, but then it's like region, but then like almost region within the region, it gets really complicated. Like the label, like there's five, six things on a French wine label and they're all specifically meaning something. Yeah. And it's just like, huh? <laughs> yeah. And so you have to learn all that stuff if you want to be a sommelier, cause you have to go through the history of all the wines and be able to kind of pinpoint like where this wine might be from and what year and yada 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 um and that's kind of the thing that 
when you start looking at it, it's like, oh, I'm never, I don't want that history lesson to be. Yeah. And it was really cool for me watching it because I believe these two were on Rogan's podcast and they, I think it was like a year or two ago. They were though. And they talked about how they don't drink anymore. Yeah. They're sober. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it was kind of fun, like watching them just as from what I gathered, like they're essentially just hammered and full all the the whole time, the whole time they're there. And I think they even like comment on that. And I think that's really what they wanted to do was like you said, is like, we're like, Tony's coming. Let's just mess him up with it. Food. Uh, yeah. It seems like, um, it is almost like a game to them. Like, can we put Tony under? Like, oh let's, yeah. Let, you know what I mean? Like, like make him how tap much, out. Yeah. How yeah. much, if we, how much do we need to throw at him to make him like go stop? Like, yeah. can we get him to say stop yeah. and get that on camera? Was Isn't that like kind this. of like a, and I don't know if, Anyone that listens to this show, God help us if they are. Um, but like, I think that is kind of a thing between chefs. Like when they show up to a place, it's like the other guy's job to almost like, not, it's not even about like wowing them, but it's almost to make them say, okay, I can't, I can't eat anymore. Like I can't drink it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're trying to impress your, yeah. your colleagues essentially. Um, but I think some of that depends on, you have to have some, like notoriety too as well. Yeah. How did you feel about, cause these are just some things I took from the, uh, the cabin, let's call it, or the little shack, the ice fishing house. Yeah. Um, that's a way nicer way to say it. Be- strippers being paid hourly. How did you feel about that? <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I don't know what they're like. I don't either, but I know Montreal is known for the strip clubs and that I would make sense. I didn't know to- that was a thing that really, I heard about it. I've obviously never been, but, uh, I've never been to Montreal either. I'm not like a huge fan of strip clubs, but I've been to them. Um, so the, yeah, there's that. The next thing is he kind of lays out his criteria for the expert dining. That was companion. pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I know like I don't eat with uh, my elbows on the table. Yeah. I come with stories to tell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I kind of agree with that. I was like, ah, oh, that's like, he's at least putting it. And he was obviously like just being funny, but he's yeah, like also kind of, it's like half true, you know? Um, what did you feel about the boneless hair? Oh, yeah. I'm, that looked amazing. I mean, like, I'd definitely eat that. I don't know that there's anything that they ate in this. I should just say this up front. Like, I don't know if there's anything in this episode that they ate that I wouldn't, wouldn't eat. try. Yet. Yeah. I think it's, uh, isn't that the Nieve a la Royale? Because they put truffle and then sure. they put foie gras on it too as well. Yeah. It's basically, it's a rabbit. They call it a hair. Same thing. Um, is it, and then they, I believe they cook it down and then they, and at least in their case, they put it in a jar and it kind of firmed up almost a little bit. See, I thought they cooked it in the jar. Maybe they did cook it in the jar. I don't know the proper way to, to do it, but then the sauce is made from its own blood that they like refine. Yeah. Uh, and then they shaved a bunch of black truffle on it and then lopped in just slabs of foie gras <laughs> yeah there's no the way tits. that's not good like there's no. just no way no it's probably fantastic uh ice fishing would you do i have no interest in ice fishing i mean i w- here's the thing if people i would go with them yes for that experience but like, yeah just yeah. hey you want to go ice fishing on lake erie I, all right so no. here, here's what it is I with don't. me so i've been deep sea fishing i've right? never done that i do want to uh, do that though Okay, well, here, let me let me explain something to you. Um, it's probably a lot like ice fishing in that it seems really cool. And then and you go and not. do it, and you're like, oh, I'm just sitting on a boat, like, waiting to catch something. Is this anything with, like, that's what ice fishing would be. It's like, it's really cool to, like, say you've been ice fishing, lead up to it. Hey, I'm going ice fishing. But yeah. I just wonder if, like, when you're actually ice fishing, if you're, like, this sucks. Especially if it's cold as fuck. And That's been the out problem. There an is hour, like, you're like, yeah, get me the fuck out of here. It's zero degrees. Like, I don't want to be sitting outside in a winter jacket. Like, oh, hopefully something, something's going to bite soon in the next hour. Like, yeah. nah. That's why they did it right. They knocked the fish out, whatever they did, bought it at the market, dropped it in the hole, and then they go, let's go eat some real shit. And then yeah. they just go in there and drink and eat awesome things. Another thing, I mean, I don't want to just, I, this was a really exciting episode. For the me. only other thing I had about ice fishing was they had all these these like metal almost look like uh like tees and it, they just had the lines strung up and they were just sitting there and i'm like well i thought 
I thought when you were ice fishing, you were supposed to be in the cabin, you know, you drill your hole, but like everybody's supposed to be sitting there with the pole. Like they just had it like all these fishing lines set up just in a row, just outside. Like, yeah, we'll check them in like an hour, whatever. Like Then I could do that. If we're just getting drunk in the shot. And I think that's just like anything that like it evolved into for men just getting away and getting hammered. Yeah. You know, golf, ice fishing, actual fishing, hunt, mm, hunting, maybe not so much. That's like a real different thing you have to be quiet at least yeah yeah. yeah. you got it and you have to be able to shoot so you can't really be hammered but like fishing and some people shoot better when they're hammered i don't know no way i'm sure there's like one or two okay there's probably a guy yeah um i'd like to meet him but (laughs) yeah so i think that's the whole point so maybe it evolved into like what we see versus the actual way they do it now they've got some system which uh just a little foreshadowing kind of later on the episode in that same vein but how they uh, cultivate maple syrup. Yeah, I. So we'll I, get to that. But yeah. I'm just saying. I don't know how much you know about maple syrup and the cartel situation. Okay. Yeah. Are we going? <laughs> are we going there now? Uh, give it a minute. We'll we'll okay. touch on a few other things first. So, uh, and then the other thing, when they were eating the shack, they mentioned the um, it's like Joel Rubichon style potatoes. I don't know the recipe offhand, but I know there's a shit ton of butter in those. Like it's, it's like Rubichon, who's a famous French chef. Like it's his signature thing was the potatoes, making like mashed potatoes. Like, and it's kind of a point in I think, which uh, one of his restaurants. There's like a thing on Eater about. I think it might be the one in Vegas, and it's just there's a point of like, who can do it the best kind of thing mm-hmm. is like a big deal apparently within the kitchen. So, that was kind of all I had on the on the ice shack part still. Okay. So can I, can it just the, uh, it's not cake, what they ate at the end, but the layers of like, yeah, I, I couldn't catch the there. name of I it. I couldn't either. And it, because it was French and, um, I never took, well, I took French for like a year in middle school. No, it, there's, it was different. It was multiple layers. It, it was looked like a three, Boston cream pie, but better. It looked like three layered cakes stacked on each other all baked into one and it's like a layer of almond and then there's hazelnut and there's chocolate buttercream. And then there's like another layer of like yellow cake in there. Yeah. And then it just repeats <laughs> like three, four cake. times or something like that. Don't drop that yellow cake. <laughs> it's not uranium. <laughs> um, but yeah, that looked, and it's some classic, uh, like French dessert that nobody does anymore. It looked great, but yeah, it looked fantastic. Uh, they were drinking chartreuse at one point. I don't like chartreuse. That's a liqueur, right? Yeah. Like super herbal it's or something? or Yeah. Okay. Um, and then they were just throwing around like cheese too as well. Yeah. I, the really just, stinky cheese at the end, I don't know if I could have done. I would have tried it, but yeah, I, I, um, I, just, I don't have the bandwidth to take on another thing. Like go deep diving into cheese. Sure like you just, can. I'm not. Sure a, you can. No. There's a pandemic. What else are you doing? But then it becomes like, where do you even get that? Like when you're in Ohio, like where do you get? You can find it, but like you'd have to go to different cheese shops. Right? (laughs) Cheese shops. They exist. I'm already, no, I know. I'm just already out. I think I'm already out on that. I I think there's a lot of upfront legwork to find uh, the cheeses that you're looking for kind of deal. Yeah. Because like there's a place in the North Market, but then like you're also. Is that a monger? Do you have to find a monger? A cheese monger? I mean. I just wanted to say monger. No, because that'd be fish. Like a cheese person would be, I don't know, like a fondue, like a fondueer or something. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna see if there's such a thing as a cheese monger. Uh, what's a yeah, artisan? I don't know. Define cheese maker. What is a cheese? research? Get on this. What is a cheese maker called? Yeah, cheese monger, person who sells cheese, butter, yeah, and other dairy products. Says a cheese monger. Boom. What is a cheese sommelier? Ooh, now that's a guy we need to have on the podcast. It's not a real thing, though. Cheese, con- cheese connoisseurship. All right, you're just lumping three words together to make a new one. Let What's me. your least favorite cheese, Ray? Least favorite? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I really don't have like any cheese that I'm like, oh, I don't. I cottage cheese, I guess. Ooh, is that even a? Is that real cheese? Like, well, yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it has cheese in the name, but like, I don't like cottage cheese. But I also but does that. I hate. Count? Go- I don't really like goat cheese. Okay. Well, I, that's not true because I like feta. 
but like I don't like that soft like chevre. Like I don't want. What was that? <laughs> that's like, the French way to say. Um, I just don't. I don't have any interest in that. To me, there's like a tang to it that I, I don't get behind. Uh, okay. And I can do some really funky blue cheese and stuff, but whatever reason, goat cheese is not my jam. It's and probably I know a texture. It. it might be like a texture thing too, as well, to go along with like the flavor, like the combination. Yeah, because I'm not a huge ricotta guy either. Yeah. So it's like that grainy. Soft, soft, spreadable. But there's still like lumps in it. Yeah, it's like there's sand in here. (laughs) You know, only if it's from uh, this certain one region and blah blah blah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They throw sand in there and it makes it great. Yeah, that's what they tell you. That's why the Egyptians had no teeth. Because they would mix the stuff in when they're grinding the wheat and then hit away at their teeth. I don't know if that's really true. Let's move on. That's what uh, I, heard. I heard once. So, and then the last part, I think, was they go into this story about Fred basically hosting a dinner party for him himself. So it's himself, his wife, and then his two kids that are two and four, his two boys, I guess. And he made everybody like dress up because so they were giving him shit about that. They're, oh, dandy. It's a dandy, dandy Sunday or whatever. And he's talking about, he made like a, 12 course meal or at least and it's just like oh, i made this i made this i did all this stuff or whatever it's just i don't know i thought it was just really funny like he goes in depth to like all this cool shit that he made and it's like it's just you your wife and then two little kids like what are you doing <laughs> like yeah just all over the top and extravagant so um then from there i think then he goes and meets up with the uh, picard right Show. yeah and the, my note for him is um Obviously, very talented chef, um, and have you ever seen True Detective, Ray? Yeah, season one. Yeah. Do you know the guy that's like that plays the killer or whatever? The dude on the lawnmower. Yeah. Spoiler alert. My, yeah, my family's been around these parts for years. Yeah, <laughs> like he looks like that guy. It's the hair. It's the hair. His hair's just like all over the place. It's wild. And it's like, you can't tell if it's just because he was wearing a hat because it's so cold or if he just doesn't care. And it could be a combination of both. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just just unruly. Yeah, I think. Unkempt. Yeah, most people would just trim it up at that point. I had a little quarantine style haircut that I look back (laughs) on uh, (laughs) selfies that I took during that... um, era and it's not pretty i gotta go get a haircut again and i just don't want to deal with it your hair looks fine right now thanks plus you're married who cares you know what i mean right who's it really for yeah exactly <laughs> but now like I, I know like i got a schedule and i just like it's just uh, then i gotta like go and you gotta wait outside for five minutes and these are all first first world problems by the way but you have to go wait outside. And you didn't you have to go. tell them that. They've already, they've already <laughs> made that determination in their head. And you have to go in and you have to sit down. And then like the small, I was like, I just, can you just like cut my hair in like 15 minutes and I can be done and just get the fuck out of here. I don't want to talk about how life's been in quarantine because it's not great and you don't want to hear it. And I don't want to recount it or relive it. So like, let's just, you know what I mean? Like, I, well, I also, it, it just turns into like the, kind of this production and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe you don't have that issue. Well, I just think that it's always <laughs> awkward talking to the person that cuts your hair. I'm not good at it. And I'm a decent conversationalist. Like I can pretty much talk, but I just like, it's awkward, you know, like there's all these other people listening and then like they're, they don't really care. Yeah. They probably don't want to talk to you or they do like sometimes they, I don't know the vibe. I've had different people cut my hair and sometimes they want to talk your ear off. Yeah. And like use and they just want to like berate you with their life and you're like, I don't really care. So I'm totally fine if they say nothing to me. It does yeah. it doesn't bother it's me. It's a weird dynamic. I just But I didn't write like yeah. so with the first time they meet Picard, they is that when they're cooking the beaver? They're going out the yeah, trap. The he beaver. Went, yeah, they were going they out. They burn the beaver the tail, beaver. everything catches on fire. He makes <laughs> yeah, it. they skipped right over that <laughs> yeah. too, real quick. Um and then they make kind of that like beaver stew, I guess. Yeah, I and mean, then do we go straight to the continent, like continental from there? Um, so yeah, they do the the beaver trapping, which I've never had beaver. Um, would try it, but never had it. And then uh, 
Yeah, they go back to, I think it's his house. They tried making like a beaver tail spoon bread over like an open fire outside, but they burnt it. <laughs> they spilled the oil, like whatever fat they were frying it in, like spilled onto the snow and it just caught everything on fire. I'm pretty sure. that's. What uh, they cut away from it like real quick. Yeah. So I'm sure they had to like put out a fire or something. Yeah. It's probably I saw issue. a pack draft, so I feel like I'm an expert. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great movie, I'm right? I'm surprised they haven't remade that movie. It's coming. Because, like, you know, uh, we got a $250 million budget. Because, like, all. We're po- just going to light some shit on fire. Yeah, all police movies are on hold, for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So for yeah, sure. So shift we all those resources to the firemen. Yeah, we might yeah. even get some paramedic movies. Maybe even better than. What is I don't it? Know. Uh, Scorsese tried it, and that was not good. Was that the one, Nick Cage? Yeah. That was a Scorsese movie? Yeah. Jeez. That's a miss. Hard miss on the resume. What was that called? It was like in Bringing Hell's Kitchen. Bringing out the dead. Yeah, in Hell's Kitchen. And it's just him with like. He's he dry- on drugs? I don't. Know. I think he's like sleep deprived. Oh, okay. Is what they're supposed to be doing. But those are always weird movies to watch. Yeah, like Fight Club. You know, I don't think Fight Club's as good as everybody says it was. I agree with that. I'm just gonna throw that out there. there yeah, it's fine. But yeah, it's like, good. I don't. I'm not gonna like sit down and be like, oh, I can't wait to rewatch Fight Club for the fiftieth no. time. Like that's not happening. I think The Machinist, another sleep deprived movie, was better than Fight Club. Maybe Christian yeah. Bale. That right? movie gets really weird though. Yeah, more so than Fight Club. Like Fight Club's just like there's a twist at the end, but then like I think The Machinist, there's a lot of interpretation about like, well, did he really see this because he was sleep deprived? Did he see that? But. Because really, when anybody ever talks about that movie, they're like, I can't believe you lost all that weight to play that role. It's like the only thing anybody ever says. That's a good point. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if, if uh, anyone's catching on this, but sometimes I just say things. No, it's about the digressions, man. Yeah. And then from there, so they do the, the beaver stew thing with Picard. And then they go to, for some reason, they go to like a hockey pickup game. Yeah, that's like the film around. And then they just basically cater it at the end, right? Pretty much, yeah. Um, it wasn't the most appetizing spread. Here we go. I no, didn't think no, so. No, because Ray's got to have it on like no. these fancy plays, no, you no, know. No, no. It was just uh, it was a little, I don't know, just a little throw Picnics together. are for poor people. Hashtag Ray. <laughs> Put it in the comments. Did not say that at all. <laughs> and technically, I don't think you're allowed to have a picnic right now. Or maybe it has to be like under 10 people. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of agree, though, that, I mean, there was... This is a war against people who want picnics. There was better looking food, but like, if you, like there was enough tubed meat there that I could be fine. Yeah. But I'm just... Out of everything that's in the episode, I guess yes. my point, like yes. that was the least appetizing point. 100%. Was the... Outdoor yeah, picnic. Totally, totally agree. Just had to give you a little shit. Um, can you skate? Ice skate? Yeah. I can't. So. No, I really can't. I've tried it a few times. Even did a little inline skating in the 90s, like every kid <laughs> did, you know? Um, also known as rollerblading. But no, I really can't. I can't stop. And I feel like if you can't stop, you can't really skate. Yeah, I mean, I can... Yeah, I can barely... After a while, you get a little comfortable, but yeah, stopping. Plus, the one thing I figured out fairly quickly about ice skating, it hurts so fucking bad when you you fall. fall. Oh, my God. Like, if you're just out there in jeans, and you're in just like, oh, it's a free skate at the ice skating rink. Yeah. Like, it hurts so bad. So bad. Yeah, after about like the third time, you're like, I'm done. Yeah, (laughs) like you need a fucking helmet. You need more than a helmet. You need like padding. Yeah. I don't know. Because that ice doesn't give, man. Frozen water, man. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, they go. So they basically, I think they went out that night after that picnic because they yeah. looked hungover as shit on that train ride <laughs> the yeah. following morning. So they're on this train and they're going to Quebec City, Quebec. Um, and it's Bourdain, Moran, and McMillan again. And then they're in like this dining car. And apparently Moran is like really big in it trains which all i could think about when they're showing that pamphlet is the uh, it's like all this old literature about like different trains and models and stuff but it was on your mom's house when they talk about like the like there's a train guy and there's um he hears it and he's they call him foamers is like somebody that's really into trains 
<laughs> and this guy hears it and like an engine coming. He's like, that can't be. It is a 1955. And like he gets just so goes e- into it. Yeah. yeah. He gets so excited that he's like, and it's followed up by, cause like, you know, some of the two, two engines. Or, yeah. Yeah. And he like goes into it. And it's with this. This is crazy. And like, it's all I can think about when they're like showing the pamphlet. I was like, how is this guy that big a nerd? You know? Yeah. I've never been on, I've never really been on a long train ride. Me neither. Yeah. I mean, the longest train ride I've probably been on was when we were in Australia and it was like through the rainforest. Like it was slow, but I mean, it was like an hour or maybe an hour and a half. But that's Yeah. The longest one I've been on, I think was from maybe Birmingham to Liverpool or I don't know. It was in England. Like, but yeah, it was like an hour or two. Yeah. Like America that. has a really underdeveloped passenger rail network. Yeah. <laughs> but we're also dealing with a lot more geography, you know? Like the Northeast is decent. Yeah, that's like could a be point better. of pride in the country was to connect the two railroads. I mean, yeah, grand- but it's like the amount of money that it takes to like build a rail network from like Atlanta to Chicago. Like that's bigger than. Well, it's already built though, right? But it's not high speed. Like you would have to go back and do the redo the whole thing. Yeah, we that's need, what you need. We need jobs, man. Yeah, and so you could like circulate the air better than the airlines. Let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, we have like we don't even. I don't think we have an Amtrak station here. I think the nearest one's like Cleveland. I know Cleveland has Amtrak, but I don't. There's no way that's true. Is that true? I'm pretty sure Columbus doesn't have one. Maybe Cincinnati does, but I know Cleveland for sure does. But I don't think Columbus has an Amtrak. I'm gonna look it up right now. But I believe you. But it's also like that's crazy. Let's see. Does Columbus, Ohio, have an Amtrak station? Toledo, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. That's insane. Yeah. Okay, Columbus, so. Akron, and Dayton do not have an Amtrak service. Columbus is the second largest metropolitan area in the U.S. without passenger rail service. What's number one, I wonder? I mean, San Francisco's got the BART. Seattle's got theirs. Chicago's got the L. How big's Honolulu? Not bigger than Columbus. Like, we're, like, in terms of population, we're right behind, uh, like, San Francisco now doesn't feel like it no, well we're spread out they yeah. just go up that's the problem um hold on let me pull up researching pull it up there uh cities in the united states let's get the list most populous cities in the united states this is all going to change when they do the um the survey the uh, census. Yeah. Did you do your census card, Ben? I'm working on it. Um, no. So are we at Lake Continental yet while you're finding that info? So they're on the train. Uh, okay, here, pulled up. So uh, biggest cities, Columbus. Okay, depending on what list you look at, it gets a little... But apparently we're 14th. We're ahead of Charlotte and San Francisco and Indianapolis now and behind Fort Worth. So ahead of us, New York, obviously, they have a train system. L.A., Chicago, Houston, Phoenix. I don't think Phoenix has. Passenger rail. Who cares? I don't don't know. know. I was wondering. Philly, San Antonio, San Diego, Dallas, San Jose, Austin, Jacksonville, Fort Worth. So one of those 13 doesn't have Amtrak. I think it would be Jacksonville. I don't know. The article just doesn't say. It just talks yeah. about Columbus, so that's the problem there. But anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, never really been on a long train ride. Definitely not in America anyways. And I don't know when that will would even change. I mean, that's such a – just because it's probably like the same price as just flying in a short distance. Yeah. Um, it's always makes more sense to get on a plane here because the other part is like I've looked up and I guess that's because we don't have a train here (laughs) but I was like oh how much the train to Chicago would be you know because that'd be like a cool way to go yeah and it's just not an option but so yeah then they're on the um, they're on the train and they're eating for breakfast bagels with caviar so they yeah. brought caviar with them. And Montreal's, no, they didn't even go into this, but like Montreal's like known for their bagels. Like some people prefer yeah, them to New, New York. York. Yeah, it's a big bagel place. And, and they're, they're, you can tell because they look different. And they had a shit ton of bagels. Yeah, they did. And a shit ton of caviar. It was great. <laughs> Once again, we go back to this is an awesome trip. And then, 
so then they're eating and I couldn't tell if because of the length of like the train ride, they got, they, the train just provides a meal, like the dining car or whatever, similar to if you're on, you know, a flight over like six hours in the U S you get a, a meal. And so they had a meal come anyways, though, there's some like omelet looking thing. <laughs> and then they break out truffles and foie gras again and just start shaving truffles over it and just lumps of foie gras to go along with this airplane omelet essentially. <laughs> yeah. So great. But he even says like, he's like given the setting, like this omelet's good. Like it's not the best omelet you're ever going to have, but he's like, it's a good omelet, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It, I mean the whole little setup like looked way better than anything that we would have on an airplane yeah. that they'd serve you. Uh, airplane food is just terrible. I I don't eat it. Even like on a long, long flight? I try not to. No. I've eaten it. It's okay. I mean, I've eaten it, but like people are like, oh, yeah, I'll have the egg. I'm like, oh, nah. Yeah. Oh, that's fancy pants Ray again. Here he comes. No, yeah. because it stuff just sits in your stomach for like three days and you're like, oh. Three days? What do you have, some digestive problem? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no, I don't, but it, um, yeah, it just, I don't know. It just makes you feel like first, shit. Ray believes that all airline food contains tapeworms. You know what? It doesn't even matter anymore because they don't serve food on airlines anymore. I know. They yeah, canceled that's, that's, all that shit. Yeah, that's another thing. Like we're, So bring your own meal. No, it's it's going to get even worse. That's a thing. It's like they're going to stop just, food. They stop drink service for a while. Just wait till they start back. barring people from bringing food on. Like you're trying to roll up there with your... Yeah, your Popeye's has COVID on it. Did you, Sir, did you wipe that down? Sir, you can't bring that on the plane. You didn't yeah. wipe that down. Well, it's in the airport. It shouldn't already be sanitized. That's why I have to throw my water away before I go through your security checkpoint. So then we end up in, in Quebec, Quebec City. City, which looks like a honestly kind of a cool place to visit. It, yeah, I mean, it looks re- like the architecture. It's all you know, like old school yeah. European. So like, I need to hit head there in like July. Yeah, you, know? I mean, you probably do. Yeah, I mean, either you would do Montreal and Quebec City, or like just two weeks just boom one week in each or you do you know do montreal and then you come back and then eventually yeah. go to quebec you know the next year or something but yeah you have it sucks because there's a lot of cool places to visit in kind of north america but a lot of them you have this june through august kind of window when the weather is going to be pretty good yeah and you can be outside and everybody else is outside and things are happening and you, know, you don't have to worry about like getting snowed on or anything like that yeah so it's tough to kind of hit all those all those places up. You got to be pretty strategic about it. But, but one one uh, place I would want to go, I think I'd want to go there, is the Lake Continental Restaurant, and it just looked like it's kind of a time capsule. It's cool it's place. old. It's yeah. It's old school fine dining. Like it's all table side preparation. Yeah, I just think that'd be a fun two hours. Oh yeah, just to see like how it used to be, kind of because there's not yeah. there's not a whole lot of places that do that stuff. There are a couple that are trying to like bring back elements, especially like you know the table side preparation stuff for a course here or there. Um, Thomas Keller, his New York restaurant that he opened, that's one where they're doing like a couple things table side. Dave Chang talks about it all the time on like I think like, like whatever next restaurant that he's going to open is kind of, I mean, I think he did that for the new Vegas one that he opened was like, there's going to be table side, you know, steaks being cut and all this, uh, like prime rib and stuff like that. So some places are like experimenting with it, but it makes the meal like that much long, like significantly longer if you do too much of it. So, but this is, yeah, this is just an old school, you know, it's all the kind of classics of what you would think from probably the, I don't know, like the 70s, early 80s kind of. It's like the shrimp cocktail, but it's just the authentic, straightforward shrimp cocktail, which I wouldn't eat because I don't like shrimp cocktail. And um, Such a loser. But then it's the Caesar salad um, and then a whole bunch of other stuff that they did too as well. So that look, yeah, I mean, that looks really awesome to try. Uh, McMillan got like a filet mignon steak and that thing must have been like 18 ounces. I think it was huge. And it was cooked so well. Like it like when he cut into it, I was like, give me that all of it. 
I don't really care about the. Is it Dover Soul? Is that the? Yeah, that was the the fish that Bourdain got. I don't know. I think I'd rather have the fillet. It's good. I've had it. We had it at a restaurant out in San Francisco called Angler. Yeah. And they do, and it was funny because we got it, and you know, it's the whole fish or whatever, and the bones are also in there. And like our server asked, like, if we wanted him to like debone it, and I was like, yeah, go ahead, you knock that out. And he, the guy in the episode here, did it like way cleaner. Like he did a good job at the restaurant that we were at, but it wasn't super clean. Like, yeah, no, he didn't pull was... it all out, and like you could just hold it and be like, this is the whole bone system. Like, yeah, he pulled out like the whole skeleton in just one motion kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's good. Uh, and then I think Moran got some sort of like pasta thing, right? I don't. Uh... He got something. Uh, it was because there was like a, a lot of lot of them, and then they showed it being cooked in the pan. I can't remember what exactly he got. What? It was shrimp. It was... Oh, it might have been prawns. Oh, okay. From the back there. But funny story. So we were watching this, and uh, my wife was watching it with me. And as soon as like they got to the Continental, she's like, oh, "This is stupid. I would never eat there." Really? And I'm <laughs> over here like slurping it so hard. No, she's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, this is dumb. I wouldn't eat there." And then by the end of like the scene when they're you know doing all the table side, she's like, "Oh yeah, that looks really cool." Yeah, and, like when they're like flambéing <laughs> stuff. She just shit on it like so hard. After like just seeing him like mess around with Caesar salads and like shrimp cocktails, it's, it's dumb. Yeah, and by the end she's like, "I want to eat there." <laughs> yeah, it looks really good. Um, and then from there they go to Le Faire et Ketchup, which is a restaurant uh, in Quebec. It's basically this almost kind of hipster haven hodgepodge. There's like five dudes all cooking in the kitchen, but they're using a electric burner stove. Like it's a four top. Like it's a stove that you would have pulled out of your own kitchen that they like yeah. threw in this restaurant. Kitchen. Like an apartment you had, like yeah. not even like you would buy for your house. Yeah, it's a like, whirlpool stove. Yeah, like it's not an industrial with it's the coils, with the electric coils. Yeah, and they're cooking all this random shit on there. Like it changes every day. They're just—it's just a bunch of dudes that are like, "Yeah, I want to cook this cool stuff," and they made made it basically into a restaurant. I thought I was like, "There's no way this place is still open." Looked it up. They don't have a website. They just have a Facebook page, but they're still open. Wow. Yeah, I was shocked. I was like, there's it's no almost way. like a pop-up feel to it. Yeah, yeah, I was like, there's no way this place is still open, but it's still open. So you can go there. I'd go there. Um, and the one thing I noticed about this part, too, was Bourdain seemed, like, really interested and almost, like, amazed at what was going on. I think part of it was just the way the kitchen was set up, but he was just kind of, like, shocked, like, Despite his notorious hatred for hipsters and being in that environment, he seemed like really just surprised. Like, I can't believe this is a restaurant and like this works. Well, yeah, because if you and if just, you explain yeah. it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, even when you see it, it doesn't make sense. And he was like, "How? Yeah, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm shocked that it's still around." Um, and that was kind of it for the food section on that point. Then they got into the whole separatism movement a little bit. Um, and I, I haven't really looked into that. Apparently there was like a vote back in 1995 or so in the kind of the early to mid nineties about Quebec potentially leaving Canada. And I guess they were pretty close. Um, I don't know the whole backstory as to, to what, but they kind of get into, you know, everything has to be in French there are some weird rules where um, in trouble for saying pasta. Yeah. Cause he was talking with um, that one journalist about at the time they were calling it pasta gave it. There was some restaurant that had pasta on their menu instead of the French word for pasta. And so they got, uh, they got in trouble at the time. And I think they might've got like shut down by the city government or something or fined or something. Um, but this was, you know, seven years ago at this point. So I'm sure you could, you could find it if you Googled it. We're real interested in it. But, and then I think from there he goes, he goes to like this kind of weird diner, Walensky's. Yeah, which I've seen on other shows. Okay. And um, he, gets a, he 
He gets their pressed beef bologna sandwich. It's like world famous. Yeah. I think uh, Chang went there with like Aziz. Um, oh, okay. And there's like a few other food shows I've seen go there. And it's just one of those places is like, we do this, we do it really good. You like it. So I don't, I'm trying to decide though between. I'd try it, but I mean, it didn't look. I don't know that I'd go out of my way to go there. Yeah. It didn't look like it was anything special. It's like, yeah. I mean, it looked like. The uh, bread looked good. Yeah, but even yeah, I don't know. I if I yeah, I wouldn't go out of my way to yeah. to get it. I don't think. Um, and then we get to the maple syrup section, which I believe you had some thoughts on the maple syrup. Ben. Well, I just thought it was fascinating, and I guess apparently there's cartel involvement, but um, just how they um, like cultivate the maple syrup and like all those tubes that just run to this area. They get dripped down and then they boil it down into syrup, and like most of it's water, I think. When yeah, it comes out no, of the because tree. he said I, there was however many like seventy percent like, water or something. Yeah, the there tree. was like eighty thousand gallons or something turns into eight thousand or eight hundred gallons of syrup. It's like eighty thousand of the yeah, sap. Yeah, you have to distill it down, like way down. Yeah. yeah, they just boil it down, and I was like, geez. And then, and this is all I guess we should say at the Sugar Shack, right? Like that's the name of the. Yeah, that's the restaurant. Uh, it's this restaurant that Picard has. It's only open during maple season, which is apparently, I mean, it's basically the winter, it looks like. Yeah. The only time it's open. And it's basically a maple forward restaurant. Like everything's going to kind of have maple in it. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah. How do you um, feel about that? Uh, some of it looked interesting. Some of it was kind of like, eh. I thought it was weird that they started off with like dessert almost. Yeah, what was the first thing? I don't even know. It was like just they wheeled out like a whole big dessert cart. And like there's maple this and maple brittle and maple this and that. And yeah, and I that was doesn't just like, bother me. I'm not like a, No, but it's just kind of like, all right, I could just bring that out bring that out again in like two hours. Yeah, I, <laughs> I thought the, uh, the duck drumsticks, I took a note on those. It's like one of the things they had there that looked amazing. And then, I mean, they were overdoing it like, they would make sandwiches, but they were just throwing shit on the sandwiches too. Yeah, and he was like putting truffles on everything too, like yeah. that, the foie gras, everything. I mean, it was over, like just super decadent and over the top. And yeah, and then they have a little fun at the end with the uh, the maple syrup dessert, like where they just put all that snow on the table and then pour the syrup over it. Yeah, and then make those little lollipops or whatever with a, like a popsicle stick. You're supposed yeah. to like roll up the syrup as it's like freezing i guess yeah and apparently i guess some people didn't want to be seen licking the you're supposed to on, lick and on suck camera. on the on the popsicle stick yeah like a lollipop basically um so that looked cool i mean the biggest the uh, actually i mean i guess well i won't step on the category but one of the one of the my favorite quote was mentioned during the sugar shack thing so okay you know uh but so there's a episode um I think it's a Vice episode. Like one of like the Vice News or Vice documentary episodes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was them, but they did this whole thing about the the maple syrup industry up there and it's basically a cartel like OPEC is for oil. And so if you produce maple syrup, you have to basically sell it to them. And they control the distribution of it to keep so the price to keep the price mm-hmm. up. And you can't like if you go if you refuse to be a part of it. Like there's all this kind of backlash and stuff, and they'll get you shut down. And I think there's a way that they can even like take over your you know your maple land, your maple farm, and stuff like that too. Yeah. So it's this whole thing because um, it's seventy percent comes from Canada. 70% yeah, like they control the world's, the world's price of maple syrup because like I think the next biggest producer is. Vermont or Maine or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. Once you get outside of Canada, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, they're not as ruthless. It didn't seem as like, you know, the cartels that we know, like the drug cartels or anything like that. Like they're not running around killing people, but they're definitely, if you don't participate in kind of the way things are done, like they're definitely going to make your life extremely difficult and try and ruin your business. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And I think 
based on what I know about that, I'm assuming the reason, because Picard said none of the syrup that they produce on his property leaves the property. So I'm guessing that's why he doesn't have to even deal with. Makes sense, yeah. And that's why he can produce and, and tap all his trees because it's we're not exporting any of this. We're not selling it. Like We use it all here in house and in the restaurant or whatever would be my assumption. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I had, aside from it being just a shit ton amount of food that they were eating, was at one point Moran opens a bottle of champagne with a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> like he sabers it, but he uses like a hammer and it actually like kind of worked. Yeah. And Dude, Bourdain was well, like, I've never seen that boy. He's like, what really? And he's like, not with a hammer. hammer. Like, yeah. Like I'm not out here. Like I would have just pulled the cork out. Yeah. Um, and then from there they go to, uh, Moran and McMillan's restaurant, Liverpool house, which was next up. And, from what I could tell, they basically ate two meals. So they ate the entire menu at the Liverpool house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's a chef that works there that's Pakistani. And he just started whipping up Pakistani dishes and brought all that to the table. It looked amazing. Like, honestly. It all looked good, but it was basically they had two dinners back to back. They're like, yeah, this is all our stuff. Oh, yeah, this guy over here, he's probably going to open his own restaurant. We might invest in that, but this is what he can do. Here you go. <laughs> and there's like there was donkey i think there was brawny was in there too as yeah, well yeah. um a whole just a whole bunch of stuff i think there was like was it like octopus kebabs or something might have been in it there was too crazy it was crazy bro yeah they threw just like a shit ton of food at them and it, i mean it that was just the theme of the entire episode was just food on food on food and also just here's all this wine and champagne too yeah. as well and that's that's where they wrap it up at the end. Is they're just still eating food, but they're watching hockey and drinking awesome. Wine. Yeah, they end it like they go to a Canadians game. Yeah, which Bourdain could like probably not give a, a shit about at all. Yeah, because um, it was Picard, Moran, McMillan, and then there was another chef there. Yeah, I too, was as well. But that. I yeah, I don't know. But apparently he's kind of like the generation before those guys. I think in kind of the the industry. So that's why he's famous. But I, I don't recognize the name, but I mean, that doesn't mean anything. I'm not super familiar with Canadian like culinary gastronomy history. Yeah. So, um, and then that was, I mean, that, yeah, it ends at the hockey game and that was pretty much it. Um, so yeah. And then we have some categories. So would you go there? Yeah. I mean, I've been to Canada um, since the episode is titled Canada. I've been to Toronto I've uh, been to Vancouver, Calgary, and then Banff. But yeah, I mean, I'm I want to go back. I mean, I'd go back to Vancouver. I mean, I go back to all of them really. I mean, Calgary, we wound up leaving early just because we were so miserable because it was so goddamn cold, and we we're just like, uh. Um, but there's some good restaurants in all of them. Montreal is definitely a place that I'd really want to go. I know. I mean, they have like a legendary food scene. Yeah, it's been on my list for a long time, too. Like, it's a place I'd really want to go. So, answer, yes, five stars. Can't go currently because we're not allowed in Canada, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Womp, womp. I heard, and I don't know how accurate it is, but I heard that you could, if you... There's a roundabout way that you can kind of get in. It's mostly like they're just turning away people at the land crossings, but I guess if you're trying to get in, like, through a, a flight, you could... Yeah, I mean, I heard that. I don't, I don't know how accurate that is because I mean, that seems like one of the easiest things for them to control is, hey, there's no flights coming to Canada from yeah, the U.S. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I it's not something I'm gonna like risk to see. Like if I can yeah. get through, you know. So, uh, one thing learned: apparently, to trap a beaver, you just need a stick of wood. That's all you need. You put a stick of wood in a trap. And then you just come back and check it because I guess they just eat the bark. That was kind of crazy to me, too. I was like, that's all you need? Yeah. Just wood? Okay. I didn't, yeah, I would have never. It's not even like like you don't spray the wood with anything, like any sort of, you know, beaver beaver scent or something, you know? Like, so I don't know. I mean, I guess that's what they said they need. Um, Best or most rewatchable scene? I had the, the ice, the ice shack. For sure. Yeah. Just 
that whole probably 10 minutes or whatever, where they're just in there, just throwing around like there's this food, there's this, we did this, we did just all this stuff. Um, yeah, I thought that was probably the most, the most rewatchable one. Uh, best quote I had. So when they're at, um, the continental, that was the name of the, the place, right? Yeah. The yeah. continental and Bourdain's talking about when he was going through culinary school and they had to do all this, they had to do the service portion. So it was whether you had to, he's talking about like peeling an orange and stuff like that. And he said, um, he's like, at least once a day, one of the students would either set themselves or one of the customers on fire. So I thought that was pretty funny just cause he's talking about, they would bring in people like almost like volunteers who would eat at this mock restaurant. And then all the students would have to go through kind of the, the front of the house training service and go through and, you know, hi, I'm your server. What, what can I get you? And do like all table side preparation. And I guess like people were constantly just spilling pots and lighting shit on fire and stuff. Um, which that, that just sounds kind of crazy. I, don't, I mean, I don't even know if they do that stuff anymore really in culinary school, but um, I don't know if you had anything for that. As I teased a little early. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I had the uh, food is just feces and waiting. Oh, from Moran. Yeah. yeah that was pretty um, funny. And the reason I say that is because my, oh, I know someone in the restaurant business has been in it for years. And that's one of the things they told me. He said, when you really think about it, we're in the shit business. And at first I was like, what? And he goes, no, we just, it all comes out of shit. In the end. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, I don't know if that's like pervasive in the food industry to think that way, but. I'm sure it's like any other like, industry yeah, like where you get, you get like, you know, but like, I'm sure it's like any other industry that you just kind of get numb. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Like to when like you're customer a complaint. Yeah. When you're a public defender, like after a while, you're like, uh huh. Yeah. I get it. You weren't there. This isn't you. They had the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like yeah. I'm sure like all that stuff, you know, the dentist. Yeah. You floss. Uh huh. Yep. Got it. No, you don't. I can tell you don't yeah. like, you know, so I'm sure Your gums are bleeding and I'm just looking at them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there really wasn't a guest host for this episode, but would I travel with Moran and McMillan? Yes. No, nah, uh, they stopped drinking. I'm out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but you, it's like, you know, you lose one vice, you got to replace it with something else. Yeah. So, so what's, they just go extra hard on food now? I don't know. That's a good question. Like, they, they were, certainly didn't become, like, vegan or something. Yeah, well, that's you the know thing. It's I mean? like, as long as they were cool with, like, telling me what wine to drink. Well, I remember them on the Rogan episode, and I'll have to go back and listen to it just because I got nothing else to do. Um, he was talking about they would still taste wine. They just wouldn't drink it. So they would taste it and spit it so they knew kind of what to pair it yeah, with in their restaurant, yeah, yeah. but they just wouldn't so consume like it. militant. That's sometimes I yeah. think I'm scared people get militant about it. And I don't think that would be fun to travel. So like, like they can't I even enjoy see drinking. it in their presence kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah I yeah. enjoy drinking and, you know, so I wouldn't want that. But, yeah, I would definitely travel. I mean, it would be great just to learn. Just sitting in a restaurant and, like, knowing what they know. And, like, they'd be like, oh, you got to try this. Like, that would be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Especially you, the, you wouldn't especially even order. Like, Montreal. Yeah. You wouldn't even order. Like, you just order for me. Yes. Like, I was I'm talking with someone about that. Like, the idea of, like, that's why I love tasting menus is that you just go in respecting the person and then you just go, yeah, fuck me up. Let's go. Just, yeah. Throw stuff at me. Yeah. That's what's fun. Yeah. Cause I hate, you know, then like you order something, I order something. Yours is better. Like that's, all, <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> like, fuck, I really want to try. Well, that. where it gets like weird is if you try, if you're looking at it, you know, you're going into a new restaurant and you think it's going to be good. But then like you look at the menu and you're like, like, I'm not going to order scallops. Cause I just don't know. You know, like I'm in the Midwest, like you're, are you gonna overcook the shit out of that? And I'm gonna be yeah. disappointed. Like, let me steer away from that. Like, that's kind of the rule that I have is like scallops, octopus. If it's pretty much my first time at a restaurant, I'm not gonna order those just because those are two things that are really easy for somebody to fuck up. And if you do it bad, then I'm gonna just always associate it and be like, okay, you can't do this. Yeah. So. I mean, all that depends on, you know, the quality of the chef and everything too as well. But um, when they're done right, they're both delicious. But there's just a lot of times I think people get them on their menu because whether they're in season or they're cheaper or whatever, think that, you know, they're going to sell or something and they wind up fucking them up. Like there's nothing like when you, 
I, th- I mean, that might be the worst thing ever is an improperly cooked scallop, whether it's overcooked or undercooked. Like, it's bad. It ruins on it. On either side. Yeah. It's so off-putting. But, um, and then food you'd want to try. I mean, pretty much all of it, but I specifically pulled out the the rabbit with the truffle and the foie that they had in the in the shack. I don't know if you had anything different. Nah, it was that they. Had, I, I knew you would stay away from it, but there was like that, like cold poached lobster or something. The lobster that was in there too that had a ton of black truffles on it. I mean, you know. Oh they, yeah, and they did it French style because they yeah, um, and maybe, they went in between like the legs or something. The way they it was cut weird. It, yeah, it was. But, um, and the only reason I know that is because we watched this um, butcher the, show. Yeah, and like yeah, so they were doing like ribs or whatever, and I guess like the French way of doing it, like the old school way. So when it was in the butcher case, it looked more presentable was to go in between like each bone and carve all that stuff out. So you have the exposed bone. Yeah. So like it's the, the guy was like, I don't like doing this. I think it's dumb, but this is like the old school way. If you're going to yeah. do it kind of thing. And then also that dessert, like anything in that shack, just basically, but the, uh, the dessert, the cake pastry thingy. Yeah. Whatever. I can't remember the name of it, but. No, I didn't. I didn't catch the name fact either. that I mean, no one really. It, makes it was super it French, and then Moran and... like kind of sometimes like when they're, because I mean they speak French all the time, so they kind of like, and you're like, huh? Yeah, what, exactly. What was, yeah. What was that? You, can you spell that for me? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean that's kind of everything in the Montreal. Well, Montreal Quebec episode, but I mean they called it Canada. Um, for me, I mean that's my favorite episode thus far. I would put it number one, um, Columbia number two, Myanmar three, and then Koreatown four. Um, ben so far has uh, Myanmar as last, and then Koreatown before that, and then Columbia. I don't know where this slots into his his rankings. This is number one. Number this is one. number one for me. Um, okay. I just, I I honestly had the thought when I was watching it that was like I should have been French. Because, like, everything <laughs> that they're eating just looked so good. Okay. I, so I looked this up. The name of this is it's Marjolain. I don't Let's know. Oh, the word? The actual yeah, word. Sorry. What's the, what's the word? It's just that. Uh, Marjolain? Yeah. I believe is what it would. It looks like Marjolaine. If you want to bastardize and Americanize it, yeah. Um, but the the French pronunciation, so that's that's the name of the the almond chocolate buttercream cake thing that they had for dessert that nobody apparently makes anymore because it's so labor intensive, which is a good amount of French food is. But yeah, the cool thing about them too is that they just they do all the French stuff and they do like the French classics. But there's really none of the pretentiousness with kind of that gets associated with like French dining. Like it's really, a, I feel like it's really just kind of laid back and like, this is all the cool shit. Enjoy. And they're not like, well, you don't, you have to wear, you know, a tie here. You have to do this or that. They're just like, nah, man, this is good food. This is cool shit. We're proud of our heritage and our culinary heritage. And I'm just going to throw stuff at you. So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of why, you know, I like those guys and, and they pop up, I think they pop up later on because he goes to like Newfoundland at one point and they're with him. And I don't know if he goes to Montreal specifically or something. And they kind of, I feel like they they, kind of pop up whenever he's in Canada. Yeah. Randomly. (laughs) I feel like. Yeah. It was, so it's my favorite episode. I don't know what else I can even say about it, but it was, no, I should have been French. That looks great. And I want to go to Montreal. Same. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it for this episode. I don't... you have anything else? I don't... I don't have Not really, no. no. Okay. Um, so, yeah, check out uh, Spoon Mom Pod feed. This is probably... Uh, we're in the 20s in terms of episodes overall. It's the fourth part's now known. Next episode will be... I think it's Morocco? Yes. But it it's is. not... It's Morocco, though. I don't think it's Casablanca. No. Because he doesn't go there. He goes, I think, to... Uh, I don't know if there's a specific city he goes to, but I know it's definitely Morocco. 
Um, I almost want to say Algiers, but I don't know if that's right. I don't think I thought it started with a K. Let's see. He goes to no, yeah. I mean Tangier, Tangier, Morocco, and Tangier is kind of where he goes. So um, that'll be the next episode coming out next week. Uh, but follow along with us uh, you can check out the spoon mob website for kind of updated rankings all the podcasts too are there all the podcasts are in the feed so uh, check out the youtube channel you can play the podcast through youtube or you know spotify apple podcasts wherever you get your podcasts rate review subscribe help spread the word uh, follow us on social media too at spoon mob on instagram also on facebook and twitter um, if you rather use one of those platforms more so than instagram um but uh yeah uh, appreciate everybody listening so far uh it's been been a lot of fun doing these and we're about halfway we're halfway through season one um so we got four left and then once we do those we might um i don't know we might take like a week or two break or something i don't know we'll see when we get there but um because i mean we do have like 10 more seasons to go so, um, yeah, but, uh, you know, feel free to send in any feedback or anything like that through the website portal or the email in the show notes. And, um, yeah, until next time.